The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. Darkimaginings.com For the deepest, darkest creeps, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Jillian from Zombie Army Productions, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Japes Palace from Lost Souls, Chicago, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Brad Doogie Soper from Zombie Army Productions and Hell's Gate Haunted House specifically, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Lita Ford, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Hey, this is William Zabka from Python 1 and 2 and Shoot Fighter, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Twiggy Ramirez from Marilyn Manson, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hey everyone, it's Don Jameson from That Metal Show, and when you're not checking out our show, you should be listening to The Big Scary Show, like you are right now. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. Summertime, and you could spend it here on the beach like me, or you can get ready for the haunt season because this is the most important time of the year. This is build season for haunts, and you're listening to Big Scary Show, episode 241, and boy, do we got something in store for you. No, it's no day at the beach with the Big Scary Show. First Badger's going to have deadline news for you. That's right. Keep up to date. See what's going on in the industry and make sure you're prepared for everything that's coming along. Meat Hook Jim's going to have some Between the Corpses. Jerry's got some amazing music figured out for you this this episode. And I've got Haunt Minute for you, and I'm going to go over why this is such a special time of year for Haunters. And maybe everybody else is catching on to that. That's right. But hey... What would a day at the beach and, you know, a summer to kill for be if you didn't have the round table of terror? And what's one of the most important things coming up? Why, that's actors and actor training. We're going to talk with three of the best about actor training. Japes, Doogie, and Jillian will join us, all from Chicago, in order to talk about the big subject of actor training and what you can do for this upcoming season. We got this... 
tunes, all kinds of great fun, surprises, and a whole lot more. Interviews and everything on this, the heat of summer, the summer to die for, and it's not a beach party, it's Big Scary Show episode 241, and it starts right now. Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Boncaron. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Boncaron. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Boncaron.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com The girls in night school have one thing in common. They're all ending up dead. You can run, you can hide, you can scream, but it doesn't take an education to know when someone wants to kill you. Night School. Prepare for a lesson in terror. Night School. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger. This is Deadline News for episode 241. We've got a lot to talk about. So we're going to start off, unfortunately, with some sad news from one of our own. This comes via the ghost town in Finley, Ohio. It is with a heavy heart that we must say goodbye to the founder and creator of our beloved ghost town. Ed Galitza of Finley passed away Friday afternoon, July 9th, at the age of 84. We will continue to honor his dream and lifetime's work. Rest in peace, Ed. You are a great man with a beautiful vision, and your legacy lives on. Thank you for all you have done to us. The Big Scary Show sends its deepest condolences to the family and friends of Ed Galitza and the ghost town and offers up this moment of silence. We have this news from American Horror Story. This comes to us via BloodyDisgusting.com. The American Horror Story universe is expanding not only with the 10th season of the main series, but also a brand new spinoff called American Horror Stories, both coming this summer. FX is calling it the American Horror Summer, and they've shared an official poster for the spinoff series that takes you back to where it all began, the murder house. The suggestion here is that certain episodes may be revisiting AHS storylines. For starters, the first two episodes of American Horror Stories, which premiered on July 15th, exclusively on FX on Hulu, with American Horror Stories Season 10 premiering August 25th. The Ryan Murphy-created spinoff series will feature one-hour contained episodes, while the tenth season of the flagship series is titled American Horror Story Double Feature. Ryan Murphy explains the spinoff, saying, We are doing one-hour standalone episodes delving into horror myths, legends, and lore. Many will feature AHS stars you know and love. American Horror Stories will feature seven episodes in total. We have this news from the L.A. Haunted Hayride in Los Angeles. 
We are looking for energetic and enthusiastic individuals who love Halloween. We're hiring for all types of positions for the events. In addition to actors, we're looking for customer service and operations staff to play critical roles such as cashiers, ticket scanners, greeters, line staff, and security. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash L.A. Haunted Hayride. We have some more news, this time from the Extreme Fear Scaregrounds in Kinston, North Carolina. Syndicate Haunted House Group and Extreme Fear Scaregrounds will call Kinston, North Carolina home at the Lenore County Fairgrounds. What a perfect fit. Haunted houses and the fair. A brand new haunt means lots of job openings. We're looking for scare actors, ticket booths, security, makeup artists, merchandise sales team, and more. If you're interested, we have numerous dates available. If you'd like to join our team, message us and let's set up a time. No experience necessary. You must have reliable transportation and a positive attitude. Of course, the availability to work weekends in September and October are a must. Have fun and get paid. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash extremefearkinston. We have this news from Knott's Scary Farm in Buena Park, California. Come scare with us. We have limited character, blackout, and guest control positions available. You must be 18 years or older. Apply online at, and this is a long one, folks, jobs.cedarfair.com slash knots-berry-farm slash jobs or get more info at knots.com, that's K-N-O-T-T-S dot com slash events slash scary-farm or you could just go to their Facebook page, facebook.com slash knots-scary-farm for all the information. We have some more hiring news, this time from the Dent Schoolhouse in Cincinnati. Let your inner monster out at the Dent Schoolhouse this year. We're hiring. You must be 18 years or older. We need actors, makeup artists, merchandise, parking, and concession staff. Become a part of the Dent Schoolhouse family today. Fill out an online application and we will reach out in the coming weeks to schedule an interview. A link to the application can be found on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash the dent schoolhouse and get more general information at their regular website frightsite.com you may have seen this on our facebook page but we have this news from midnight syndicate we have a big announcement midnight syndicate will be releasing a mini album of all new studio material in late august Keep it tuned in on our social media pages, our website, or our mailing list for all the updates. Get more information at MidnightSyndicate.com or Facebook.com slash MidnightSyndicate and all their other social media pages. And finally, we have this news from the Canadian Haunters Association. This comes to us via Chris Ainsworth. I have a CHA announcement to make for all my fellow haunters. I'm excited to announce our new Alberta chapter presidents, Therese Hansell and Hugh Flesher, from the Rutherford Manor Haunted House. They both are very involved in the haunt community and have been a part of the CHA since the beginning. They've won many Home Haunter Awards and are a great addition to our ever-growing chapter presidents across Canada. Please join me in welcoming them both to our motley crew. 
The Big Scary Show wishes a very sincere congratulations to Teresa Hansel and Hugh Flesher and wishes them all the success. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunted attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free. And see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Dr. Frankenfingers, an unholy citadel on the Big Scary Show.
Come, my little neophytes, and sit by the fire. It's time to ask the old crone. <laughs> I remember hearing a long time ago that walking through a haunted attraction should be like walking through a horror movie. If you want to give your guests an all-encompassing, submersive experience, the best way is to start with a theme. Having a cohesive theme throughout our haunts puts the guest in a certain mindset. Often their brain is already prepared to see certain things. For example, if your theme is a western ghost town, what would you expect to see? Cowboys? Maybe some bullet holes and broken windows? A town saloon? A crazy sheriff? Now in their mind, they are now mentally in the Wild West, circa 1879. These things are familiar, and their brain recognizes them and accepts them. Not very scary, though. That's where the fun part comes in. Take these normal Western cowboy items and flip them on their ear, so you're now giving them something their brain doesn't recognize. Or if it does, the brain knows it's bad. Maybe the saloon girls are on a murderous rampage. The sheriff is the one being strung up. See how having a theme can ignite your imagination to create scenes that flow from one to the other. Each scare building off the other. A great backstory for your themed haunt is so helpful in creating this experience. But we'll discuss that at another time. Let's discuss just themes today. Make sure your theme is something you can really dig into for inspiration and something you like because you'll be doing this theme for a long time, building on it year after year. I am often asked if I'll ever change my theme and the answer is no. My theme and backstory will always be the same, but that doesn't mean it's the same haunt every year. I can change or add rooms within the theme Take away certain characters, create new ones, put scares in different spots. Now this does force me to get creative in the planning process each year, but that's half the fun, isn't it? A theme can set you apart from other haunted attractions, especially if your theme is unique. A theme gives you brand recognition and can be very beneficial in your marketing campaigns. Having a set theme keeps you focused, especially when purchasing or building items for your haunt. Why, every time I visit the Black T-Shirt Festival in St. Louis, I enjoy seeing all the different themed props and costumes, but I only buy what will work within my own theme. And there are so many theme ideas. There's carnival, prison, asylum, castle, warehouse, mortuary, butcher shop, schoolhouse, hospital, hotel, dungeons, military, science lab, zoo, haunted forest, haunted barn, haunted airport, haunted DMV, haunted IRS. <laughs> it's all very scary if you do it the right way. 
But what would be some bad things about a certain thing? Well, right off the bat, if you bore easily, a certain thing will be boring to you. Maybe not to your guest, but it's, it's important that you have that passion for what you're doing. If you really can't stand clowns, don't do a carnival theme. Or maybe a theme is what's trendy now, but not so much in a few years. If you think back a few years ago, Walking Dead and zombies were all the rage. Then comes along the movie It. Suddenly it's clowns. So think about that very carefully whenever you're selecting your theme. Ah, the fire's burning down. It's time for me to go back and tend to my spells. If you have any questions or suggestions or just comments, please send me an email at scream at Banshee Manor. Until then, don't forget to stir the cauldron. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let dark imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Since 2007, professional and home haunters alike have trusted our award-winning and dedicated skeleton crew to make their nightmares come true. Whether you need graphic design services, logos, websites, spooky visuals, or creepy changing portraits, we can help your business look its scary best. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that music does signify you are listening to the Round Table of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. It is July. It is hot. It is miserably humid. It is summertime. Fall is just around the corner. And if you're working for a haunt or you own a haunt right now, you should be smack dab in the middle of build and hiring season. If you've listened to Big Scary News, you know that lots and lots of haunts over the last few weeks have been hiring. More will be hiring in the coming weeks. What are you going to do with all those actors you hire? Well, we hope it's going to be more than just slapping a rubber mask on them and tell them to stand in the corner and jump out and go at anybody that walks by. You know, acting is such an important part of a haunted house and 
We just happen to be talking to some people that know a little bit about the importance of acting at a haunted house. There are a bunch of people who train actors at haunted houses. Several of the members of the Big Scary Show do the very same thing. So if you're a haunt owner, if you're an actor, if you want to become an actor, this might be the round table for you. I would like to invite or I would like to introduce our guests conveniently all from the Chicago area so we can keep a sharp eye on them. Our first guest is Japes Palace. That name might sound familiar. He's been on Big Scary News a couple of times, but he is an actor in the Chicago area, is associated somewhat with several different haunts, most notably Midnight Terror right now. Japes, how are you doing? I'm doing really great. Really great. Glad to be back into the haunt thing again. Absolutely. Uh, taking a year off last year, you know. It's been a mess, and uh, we're, we're glad that things are back. You've been training for about 18 years, so hopefully you'll have a lot of good things to discuss. Also want to introduce our guest, Doogie. His real name is Brad, but we won't go into that. He is a member of the Zombie Army, the infamous group in Chicago as well. He was associated with Statesville Haunted Prison, was an, was an actor trainer there for many, many years. Doogie, how are you, sir? I am doing fantastic on this very, very sweltery day. Oh, it is sweltery down here, too, as it is pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. I would also like to bring a female perspective into the world of actor training. We have Jillian Luce with us, also from Chicago. She was loosely associated with Hell's Gate Haunted House. She was a stage manager there for many years, also a member of the Zombie Army. Jillian, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? It is great to have you here. I would also like to introduce our hosts, many of whom, as I mentioned, do have some actor training experience, including up at Trails to Terror up in Rhode Island. We have Storm. Again, greetings from Rhode Island, where it is so humid, I wake up and I think I'm in the movie The Mist. <laughs> Wasn't it filmed up that way somewhere? I, I think it's supposed to something? take place in Maine, like all uh, Stephen King things, but it was probably filmed in Vancouver. Yeah, you never know. Down in Cincinnati, we have Meat Hook Jim. Uh, greetings from Cincinnati. And you know what? Uh, after selling the business and everything, I'm already starting to get the itch. So I think I'm going to have to call my successor and see what I can do to act a couple of times this year. I think they make a cream for that. Call, call your doctor. <laughs> yeah. They make, they, make, they make creams that get rid of that itch if you need Jerry it. and I both go for the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Speaking of low-hanging fruit up in Columbus, we have our instrumentalist Jerry Vane, who is also a very fine actor. It is so humid and sweltery out here. My ass cheeks are wondering whose swamp it really is. <laughs> Jerry's my name beard is, is fuzzy. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte. We had our uh, 6 o'clock storm roll through at 5.55, ended at 6.03, dropped just enough rain to up the humidity about 10 points, dropped the temperature about 1. So it is miserable in the south, as it is everywhere right now. But gentlemen and lady, this is actor training season. It's a little early for that, maybe, but a lot of haunts are hiring right now. A lot of people are looking for good quality actors. A lot of people are wanting to maybe be actors for the very first time. Um, have any of our guests recruited actors before? And if not, you know, what do your bosses, when you were working for haunted houses, what are people looking for, especially in 2021, are looking for when it comes to hiring a haunted attraction actor? 
Oh, wow. That is quite a question. Um, We like to start off, get the ground running. Ah, Right on. Well, I mean, I I guess from a recruiting point of view, is there ever a time you're not recruiting? I mean, every place you go, every person you see, if you see someone who's acting crazy just for the fun of acting crazy tends to be, that's going to be someone who's going to do really well in the haunted house. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's a year round thing. I, I mean, I try to carry business cards with me so that I can just, if I happen to see somebody doing something weird, um, you know, I just give them a business card and hey, say, hey, let's, let's, let's connect um, and, and start that relationship there. I mean, um, I can think of one very prominent haunt actor uh, who um, was, when I met him, was uh, 14 years old. And he kept in, in touch with me through MySpace for two years before he was old enough to work at Dream Reapers. Um, and now he is, uh, again, uh, a, a major staple in the Chicago scene. So, uh, but it was two years of, of cultivating that relationship to get, to get him into the haunted house. Would that be Martin Jello or? Uh... No, he was there before me. No, that was, that was mother. That was Anthony Glenn from original. Oh, that was Design. Anthony Glenn. Oh, right on. Yeah, he was 14 when I met him. Wow. Two years of MySpace. Two years keeping in touch through MySpace. You're there, showing, there times, showing our age. There have been times when Brad and I are on vacation <laughs> in another state and Brad is recruiting kids for either our haunted house or whatever local haunted house happens to be in their area. He, he's, uh, he's pretty much on with it all the time. Um, but then I think the outside of you know, the constant lookout from the manager perspective is also the word of mouth from the kids, you know, so many of them bringing in their friends, uh, as far as what we're looking for. I mean, it's like any other job with any other teen or young adult, you know, you're looking for, uh, motivation and a sense of commitment and, uh, and then that ability to, to act crazy whenever, wherever, because as, as John often, often, often says to the kids, uh, you know, it's about, take away the makeup, take away the the crazy props, take away the sets, and, and you're just standing in a field as a crazy person. So <laughs> you've got to be willing to kind of let that let, let that freak flag fly. That would be John LaFlamboy, the leader of the zombie army, right? Yep, you got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. John's a lot of fun. He's so so let's say you are an act you let's say you are a haunted house owner you have hired x number of people um i'm sure all of you with your extensive knowledge of haunts and visiting haunts all over have are there really just haunts that just have people in them that are just wearing masks and jumping out and yelling boo or get out or fresh meat because i see them down here and it just drives me crazy a lot of them are little pop-up haunts you don't see them advertised you know you might see a a hastily painted wooden sign saying haunted trail this way and you go down there and there's like three or four michael myers and five or six jasons and none of them are acting like michael myers or jason this it's I've, i've seen some really really awful actors and all i can say is those owners just must have said here's a mask go be scary do you guys run into that in the upper Midwest? You know, Chicago's got a reputation of being a great city for haunts. Lots of them around there and a lot of top-notch haunts in the country. 
I think the game is high here, so it, you don't see it as much, but we have all seen it. And, you know, we've been on various tours ourselves and whatnot, and we've seen some of that. I think every haunted house struggles uh, with actors who can't break away from that type of, of acting. But I think that some haunts can possibly rely more on what's around them rather than what's in them. Uh, and that's really, I think, where the game separates you know from from being okay to being amazing is when you start really tapping into these kids and having them start building their own their own character their own room their own scares you know and, and allowing them that creativity to do so right yeah, yeah I, and I, oh, go ahead go Jeff. ahead Brett. go ahead doogie go for it okay um hey and uh billy on top of what uh what jill said is that i mean even even in our own haunted house, it is a struggle to find that scary creature inside of anyone. And it's hard to pull that out of some people. As much as you try, there is going to be someone who all they really want to do is stand in the corner and go boo. And you just do your darndest to cultivate that into something else. And sometimes you find a clever prop to put them behind because they may only say boo, but their movement's really good. So they use that in the prop to accessorize themselves. Um, Japes, tossing it over to you. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, I'm fortunate. I mean, you all have actually, I know because you've been on board with, with the zombie army bus going all over the place, you've been able to see a lot of haunts all over um, all over the place. Whereas my focus has been Chicago for, for years and years and doing the bus tour, like we get to, you know, we get to see like 12 haunted houses every year um, just doing that. And, and one thing I can say is I do feel like the bar is high here in Chicago. I feel like I hear a lot less of that than I've heard in other cities and other States. Um, but, but every haunt, no matter how big or small, like, like both Jillian and, and, and Doogie are saying, like you run into those problems, especially early in the season. You know, you hope that you've got it tuned up and you've got it fixed by later in the season. Um, but early, you know, early in the season, you're going to hear that more often. Um, but I think that Chicago has always been, for as far back as I can remember, has always been, a, a, haunts have always had actor training. It's like expected, it's understood. You know, Joe Jensen was doing training here for Hades, mm -hmm. um, you know, before most of the haunts in, in the, in the, you know, in the country were thinking about it. I remember, um, you know, I was working for 11th hour and Jeff Glatzer was brought in to do training from Ohio. So like, and we're talking, you know, early two thousands. Um, so it's always kind of been a part of the culture here. And so the bar I think is higher because of that. Absolutely. And, uh, and Jeff, oh, go ahead. And, uh, and, also, it, it even like I like Jay said, traveling around the country and seeing it in various different places, um, really all it tends to take is one good actor trainer. And it doesn't matter what haunt they're in. If you go in there and you play with the kids as they are doing their scares, kids, adults, whatever, their show inexplicably gets better. It just continues to get better because they will mirror what you're doing and, and grab bits and pieces of that for their own show. When I go and train actors at various haunts around the country, I always have the owners get involved. I always have the managers get involved. I always have the supervisors get involved because if you can't do what you're expecting them to do, 
how can they look at you as a leader? You know, I hope you've done your time in the trenches and you weren't just brought in because, you know, you were a manager at, at X restaurant or X store. And so they think you can manage a haunted house, but you know, I, I specialize in trying to bring out as much quote unquote embarrassing stuff as possible, because if, if you can't stand in front of a group of people you've possibly never seen before and act like a chicken for 30 seconds, then how are you going to be expected to really work in front of, you know, potentially thousands and thousands of people a night? You know, there's always a difference when you put the mask on and the makeup on and all that. But just standing there on day one of training and you're flapping your wings and going, bark, 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 trying to act like a chicken, you know, that's that's harder than it looks. You know, the biggest phobia in the world is speaking in front of a group of people. So, you know, you've got to learn to drop those inhibitions and, and do that. And I expect that of all the managers and the uh, owners that I work with as well. No one escapes zombie army auditions, including managers. So we're absolutely, uh, they're on board with you in that, in that respect. Um, and then I think the other aspect of the managers getting involved uh, is in a common, you know, almost problem I've seen is, is uh, not every room is a one size fits all training, you know, every kid that you put in that room could be different. And when you're in the casting perspective, you may not always have the same kids in the same room. So having people who can, who can go in and know 25 different ways to work that room is, is incredibly beneficial versus somebody only, you know, who only knows one way to work the room. Absolutely. Storm, when you were working up in uh, Trails to Terror, what were some of the, um, the issues that you would deal with? Were you dealing with people that really were doing it because they were passionate about it? Or were you doing it with people who just wanted Christmas money? And, and how did you deal with that? A little bit both and how it works. I mean, you know, the general manager and the owner had really good litmus tests. You know, our recruiting, uh, our, our major recruiting is, um, at the local fair, you know, the, the pretty much what would be considered a county fair anywhere else. Um, you know, we'll have a booth, we're promoting for the season, and we'll have our applications there. And, you know, we'll have an application there, too. And that sort of weeds out people who are serious and people who are just like, you know, it's a lark. Oh, it'd be fun to do a haunted house. And then we'd have people just come by, see the signs. So, you know, one of the litmus tests is if they're putting something into it to want to know more and, and do about, then you know that they're a little serious about it. And then, um, you know, it's just weeding them out sometimes the first weekend, but really trying to do a um, casting call, you know, initial one, see if they can follow directions, you know, because we're pay, fill out the uh, W9s uh, and everything correctly, um, you know, go through that. But then, you know, tell them, all right, hey, ride showing up this Saturday, walkthrough showing up this Saturday, we'll give you your roles, you'll do everything there. And usually that's the big weed out is if they make that commitment come that night and you can really get a feel for them there. If they're into it, if they're not, if they're telling you ideas, have you ever tried this? That means you're probably going to have them for the season. They're going to be a little annoying, but the, you're going to have them for the season. And then after that, it's just herding cats and finding out who gets sick and uh, who commits through the season. And one of the neat things we always found is um, – you know, for the long term, you, you get the person who looks like that, you know, they want to do haunting. They're going to dress in black in the middle of summer. They're going to have skulls and stuff. They look real scary. And then they're going to bring their friend who's just like, all right, I'll check it out. And I'm really their ride to get there. 
And a lot of times the person who thinks it's something that they want to do and find out it's work, you know, they're the ones who bail after the first night or the first weekend. But that friend who came along or is their ride catches that haunt fever the first time you get somebody to scream for you, the first time you're in character and you, you suddenly become something else and you instill fear in someone else. And then that becomes your actor who's with you 10 years or more, which is really neat and really weird if you look at it on the outside. I've actually had that happen at Scarowinds. We had the had one girl that was in there and we thought she was going to be great. And she brought her sister and her sister wound up staying for at least four or five years. And the original person, I think bailed after two weeks, maybe three weeks, never saw her again. Yeah. Again, again, the best advice was the first night I went to sign up to work at a haunt and the general manager, Ed Gannon, who, you know, everybody uh, knows, uh, he, he described it and still 20 years later, it's the best thing. It is the hardest job you'll ever love. That should be a slogan somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> Pretty sure that's Jim. tattooed on my soul. There you go. <laughs> Jim, when you were managing Maul, the actor troupe that you were, that you were the owner of for many years, what were some of the, um, the issues you had with recruiting? I know that you had a lot of people that you knew prior when you started and they just came on and, you know, you had this person and this person and this person. But did they bring in friends who wound up becoming good actors that worked with you? Or did you have issues when you were recruiting? Initially, I did. But um, when I brought some of the people I knew on a little bit uh, later on, they brought they, and they recruited friends. And there, there's one friend um, that my actor's name is uh, Brett Ryan. Now, most of these people worked with me at the Dent Schoolhouse, and, and I don't regret one second of the time I spent there. But um, Brett came over uh, and joined me because he was tired of being pigeonholed. And uh, a year or so later, he has a friend named uh, Mikey. And uh, Jerry knows who I'm talking about. Uh and I met Mikey at uh, Scarefest. I think it was the last time we went to Scarefest in, in Lexington. And he annoyed me relentlessly about wanting to join Mall. And, uh, you know, enthusiasm goes a long way with me because somebody can say, hey, I, I want to scare people, but it's, you know, it's the Christmas money. It's the not taking it seriously. Uh, Mikey in spite of all his failings, did take it seriously. And uh, I brought him on. But there's been other times where we've had failures. Uh, you know, it, it all depends on the person and their drive. And drive to me, it's something Ben Armstrong said uh, on one of the America haunts years ago. He says, you know, you get people in here that just are, are just looking for a way to vent. So you get somebody in there that says, hey, I love to scare people all the time. I scare my friends. We can work with you. And if somebody shows me that kind of intensity, I can work with them. I can make something out of them. But if they're not serious about it, then it's a waste of my time. Sure. I want to remind everybody you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We're going to take a very short break from this discussion on actor training with our guests Jillian Luce, Doogie, and Jabe's Palace, along with our regular co-hosts. We're going to take this short break, and we will be 
right back. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror. We are talking acting and actor training with our very special guests, Doogie, Jillian Luce, and Japes Palace, all from the Chicago area, our usual hosts. We were talking a little bit about recruiting when we were talking before the break. Storm had mentioned, you know, recruiting at county fairs and things. Um, do any of you do targeted marketing? You know, are you looking for specific characters? Do you go to specific places or anything like that? Absolutely. Uh, there, when you're looking for a haunted house actor, realistically, it's starting to break down the various different groups of people who could be that haunted house actor. Uh, for instance, one year, uh, John was talking about, hey, we only have two people who can do stilt walking. You know, it'd be really nice to have more. I just happened to be enrolled in circus classes and uh, convinced two of the classes to come and act at the haunted house with us. Uh, three of the people of which went on to be management later on because they stuck with us for five to six years, I think. And for a good two years there, we had a clever, awesome group of circus folk that came into the haunted house. Um, beyond that, uh, just keeping an eye out for, um, I'm always on the lookout for fire spinners, people who do juggling and things along those lines, because they have a natural pretense to performance and they're not, they don't tend to be that worried about doing it in front of people either. Do you ever look for people with like, say, unusual voices? I know Jerry has got a very, very unusual voice when he does his Lalaboo character. Or do you look for people who sing because those people tend to have more powerful voices that they can scream or yell or do whatever all night long, as opposed to somebody that might blow their voice out after, you know, a couple of hours if they're not really trained to do that. Yes. I mean, if, if anyone has a uh, voice training as well, like uh, actors, I, I, well, so hitting up uh, theatrical troops, uh, high school theater programs, college theater programs. Um, I have, done all of those in fact uh zombie army back in the good old bad old days um john used to hold a um it was a meeting at the lockport high school i believe it was and it would be specifically for the theater program that he would recruit from that program to bring actors in um and it's kind of what gave statesville its jump if i remember my history correctly uh it is a mired history after all <laughs> see it's it's funny because i have kind of mixed feelings obviously the two of you you know uh came from a theater background and and that whole crew that you were a part of were like absolutely instrumental in running our haunt back in the day um so there was a lot of quality that came out of that group but i've also seen it used in other places where um theater people are brought in but they're not given proper actor training and they mm. absolutely struggle because they want everything fed to them they want the lines they want the blocking they want the you know they want everything 
given to them and they're not able to develop it themselves. Um, so if you're bringing theater people in, you also have to train them that like, this is a totally different type of theater. We're not gonna give you your script. We're not gonna give you your lines. We're not gonna give you your block. You know, we might give you some of the blocking at least, um, but your lines, you, you gotta be able to adapt. You gotta be able to do that. So um, I've seen a lot of people struggle if they don't get the proper training. So that's, that's really important to, to make sure that that's included. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Like that is, that, that is so important. I mean, the proper training and kind of why we're all here talking right now about actor training. Um, it, it all depends on the actor trainer themselves being able to give that guidance. Um, Cause otherwise, I mean, I, I, I've even had uh, folks that have haunted at other haunted houses before come in and be completely lost until you come in and show them what to do or to give them the idea of the room or, or frankly, sometimes it's a really hard room and you just need to sit in that room and play for an hour or two to really figure out where those scares are to give them any sort of guidance as to how to make that room sing. Sure. Now, granted, there are there are roles in many haunted houses around the country that you are supposed to say a certain line to make the scare happen or, you know, the rule reader or something like that. But, you know, if, if you can't, pop some improv off once in a while, you know, that is absolutely essential. You know, I teach improv work when I do my workshops. I assume you guys do as well. What are mm-hmm. some of the techniques that you guys do to kind of teach that improv? You know, as I mentioned before, you know, one of the things I do, and if you hire me this year, guys out there listening, um, I generally take the first year actors and I, First thing I do is I stick them up in front of the veteran people and I say, okay, veterans, these are your first year people, you know, please offer them the sage advice and the wise words and give them all the help they can. All right, new people, convince these people that you're chickens for the next 30 seconds. Go. And for the next 30 seconds, all the veterans are watching, all the owners, the managers are watching this group of noobs try to act like chickens and you know a lot of that goes a long way into determining you know who's going to be the guy behind the drop panel and who's going to be the guy that's working out the cue lines you know the the ability to do an improv or something like that so how how do you guys go about teaching improv which is shockingly not an easy thing to do for a lot of people so true I'll, I'll, I can jump in really quick here. I mean, I, I start at the absolute basics. You have to understand yes and. You must understand mm-hmm. yes, yes and. Um, it, when I first started teaching it, I always you know focused on you don't negate. So you go along with whatever people say. But then I learned the yes and rule and realized, I mean, that's what I had been doing for years. I just didn't know it. It's agreeing with what they're saying and then building off of that and, you know, listening to what the customers are saying, listening to what your, your fellow actors are saying and just going along with it and then adding your own piece to it so that you can build off of each other. So um, really explaining what yes and means and making sure that everybody understands that, you know, this is, this is, this is 101. This is A in the alphabet. This is the very beginning. And you must know this piece. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. The, the yes and is one of the most powerful um, tools, 
frankly, to build that improv session. Um, and and uh, with Zombie Army, whether they know it or not, from the beginning of the auditions all the way through the beginning of The Haunted House, we start making them do yes and scenes, even in their auditions. We give them a setup, a couple of people, make them yes and with each other to see how they deal with it. But it starts with that building block because it goes from there to then actor training where we do more of that to then in-person training once we're training them in their rooms. And we can reference back to the previous two steps to help drive that idea of yes and an improv further. Um, it, it, so far, it's been terribly successful. I guess terrible is the wrong word for it, but very successful. <laughs> I, nice. I am absolutely terrible at improv. I'll be the first to admit that. That's actually my weakest spot. Um, <clears throat> but I come at it from a different perspective of, uh, you know, constantly having a character motivation, um, you know, uh, uh, diving the other direction in, into your improv with yourself without necessarily words. Um, I don't know how to explain that. But yeah, I think that there's very much uh, needing to recognize the the actors that you have in your core that are are improv, uh, you know, very good at it, uh, very quick witted. And then there's, you know, like kind of like the five love languages. There's five other types of actors out there. And, you know, part of management and your casting and stage management is figuring out what style of actor they are and using that to your advantage. Have Which you is, as a go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think your question is going to get to where I was going to go. I was going to say, as you as a stage manager, have you ever been completely blown away by somebody that either you did not expect was going to be what you thought they were going to be? You thought they would be the quiet. Maybe maybe I'm just going to put this guy in or this girl in as atmosphere, or maybe I'm just going to put this person in a drop panel or a, a quick pop, and suddenly they turned out to be an amazing improv person, or have you ever had somebody that was like, I want that person for this role. And they just absolutely could not handle that. All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> there is, it was surprise us on a very regular basis. Um, you know, in an in audition, somebody would do amazing and you think, Oh my gosh, they're absolutely perfect for this title role or this character spot. Uh, and then they just get in there and no matter how much you try to work with them, um, it just doesn't come out that way. And, uh, and other times that we've had these kids who just bomb during auditions and are even bomb their first few nights. But again, it's kind of like as the stage management aspect is getting to know these kids, um, watching them work, watching them interact with their peers even. Uh, and you start to figure out, you know, who these kids are and how they behave comfortably and normally. And then you can kind of translate that into, are they a mover? Are they loud? Are they uh, quick witted and, and, you know, quick with the comebacks and the jokes? Um, you start to kind of be able to see who these kids are and you can adapt, you know, yourself to help them adapt to whatever roles and to have, you know, we've had some kids that have been absolutely um, very quiet, very shy, very uncomfortable, come out to be some of our best actors. Uh, and, and again, it's just about finding the right place and the right character. Um, and, and a lot of that comes from them, but a lot of that comes from your management too and, and your trainers. I mean, I would usually, I, I didn't necessarily train directly hands-on, 
um, but I would work with Doogie and that, that was that we have this kind of symbiotic relationship where I would get to know these kids and start to figure out what, what style they would work in the best and then translate that to Doogie who then would take it and run and help them figure it out kind of based on on whether or not they're that mover. Are they, are they a quiet voice actor? Are they a loud voice actor? Are they, you know, are they uh, uh, able to entertain and make people laugh? Cause that's a whole character set on its own. So, you know, it just, it, it, to be able to translate that information to him um, was able, you know, then he was able to take that and, and rather than trying to bring this improv side of a kid out that would maybe never come out uh, he was able to kind of take, uh, what we saw they were strong at and work with that. And that right there is, is frankly, in my opinion, one of the most powerful tools as an actor trainer is have a great relationship with your stage manager or a house mother or house father or however it works. The per- people who get to really know the kids and the actors, because they can give you crib notes and see things that you would never see with a cast of 150 plus Yes, they can yes, point yes, out yes. who who needs work, who needs this, what they are good at and what they've seen. And that immediate part, the two parts have to work together to make the full circle of actor training. Uh, it's it's all included. <laughs> you know, I've got to present this to you guys as actor trainers. I ran into a unique situation when I was working at the Dent Schoolhouse. And for three of the four years I was there, I was an actor trainer. And we had a kid come in, I think, uh, two years after I was there. And very enthusiastic, wanted to scare people, but he was a one-trick pony. He was all about the blood. I'm the blood demon. Give me your, his catch line was, give me your blood, which became a joke amongst the actors. Now, the owners asked me to work with him. I spent weeks working with him to break him of that. We went through his room time and time again. We're fortunate enough to get into the haunt all year round. And mm. during this time, I was working with him. I was trying to get him out of that blood demon thing. And he's getting better. He's getting better. We come up to um, the uh, dress rehearsal the night before we opened. The owners went through. He did everything perfectly the way I trained him. I couldn't have been happier. Opening night, bam, give me your blood. That was it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, it's, so I'm very big on, on understanding that there's a difference between theory and, and practice. Like there's, you can have all the ideas, but then you get in front of the crowd and you just get so uncomfortable that you revert back to what you know, whether it's effective or not. That's the piece that's always kind of blown me away is that I, I'm, I'm a person who likes to self-reflect and I think I do a pretty good job of it. Um, and, and I, and that's one of the things that blows me away is when people can't self-reflect, they can't look at their performance and go, everybody that walks through my room is bored. They don't re- they don't react. They don't have any kind of emotion. And that's like a, to me, that's, that's a measure of failure, right? It, they should feel something. They should react. There should, something should happen to them when they walk through and I'm not saying it's always being scared. It's some sort of reaction. Right. So like to look at the blood demon and he's playing it seriously. And I can only expect that people would laugh. We're like, was that the reaction he was going for? You know, did, did he look at that and go, 
oh, this wasn't the reaction I was going for. There must be something wrong with what I'm doing. So um, that, that power to self-reflect, that's, that's, that's a thing I think to look at in actors is can they reflect on their performance? Can they understand when they're actually being successful um, so that they know when to continue things and when to discontinue things? I'd lo love to add on to that too, that oftentimes from a, a, again, a stage management and casting perspective, that when somebody is really unhappy with a room that they're in, a lot of times it's because the room isn't working the way that they want it to work. And they don't necessarily know how, you know, they can see that, they can feel that, but they don't necessarily know how to say that, um, whether it's because they're afraid of management or, you know, whatever. It's like kids are, are, you know, not the greatest at confrontation and sometimes they're all too good at it in the wrong direction. But, you know, it, to, to, for them to, um, to even just come to you and say that they're not happy in the room, a, a lot of times that there's room to work there uh, and room to help them understand why, uh, you know, why that room isn't working for them and how to potentially make it work for them. I've had kids who hate their spot uh, for the first weekend. And then once they've worked with, you know, Doogie and other managers, uh, they really come to love it and now would not want to be anywhere else. So, you know, it just, it's, it's oftentimes a, a red flag for, for management. And that's a good point, which also gets missed on the other side. You know, being a, a builder and working with a general manager for 10 years, we'd build the scenes and we'd want that type of feedback from the actors too, if there's something with it. And, you know, we want them to understand what, what the room or the scene was built for and have them work with it. But we also want some of their feedback so we know what to design and work with too. Now, nine times out of 10, what they want, you know, is the cheap, easy scare and you know doesn't go with the flow doesn't go with with what you've done and the effectiveness of it and you know one of the things one of the neatest stories i had with uh, actor training was uh you know some tough actors and you know they were beating the hell out of the set i mean mm. they're taking sticks and stuff and just smashing the hell out of it so you know they get yelled at by like the general manager or people but they keep doing it so <clears throat> i go over i see them doing i'm going guys you're better than this you, you you're better actors in this you want to be the character that when the people go home they're talking about in the car you're not going to do that by just making a loud noise you guys are better than this you can come up with something so i played into their ego damn well enough the next night the the one who is like the biggest culprit you storm storm that was amazing it's great i got this sandwich bag and i got it on my hand and i just crept up behind him and i just went with the sandwich bag i got the best screams ever that's so great i'm like okay it works all right <laughs> and and storm that is that right there is another main pillar of actor training inspiring Mm -hmm. inspiring the actors to be that best actor they can be um, I, and wow it, how how well does that actually work uh, incredibly I, I've seen it so many times over the years I've been training if if you spend that time to inspire it, it works inspire and challenge you know one of the things is uh, you know the actor would show up late um, you're putting a dress all right, so it didn't, didn't matter what you were. If you showed up late, the show's on, you've missed your scene, you're wearing a dress. And some of them who were perpetually late and stuff would work with that. And we got some of the weirdest, craziest scares and characters that we did not anticipate because the actor took that challenge, took their own irresponsibility, and ran with it. 
which was just made it awesome. <laughs> and, and you become a haunt legend at that point because, you know, yeah, no, it made, made me wear a dress and I made it scary. <laughs> Nothing wrong with wearing a dress as a character. Mm-hmm. We won't talk about Princess Trainwreck and don't ever, don't ever look for Princess Trainwreck on Facebook. I'll just say that. Yeah, well, you've never, you've never gone through a haunt, be hugged by a very hairy, sweaty man in a sequin dress. It's, it's something that lingers with you for quite a while. You don't know what I'm, I'm not saying. There's about. anything wrong with that, but you know, it makes a lasting effect. It, it does indeed. Uh, Jim, quick question about Maul. Um, I know a lot of your characters were specialty characters that, you know, your actors had come up with over the course of time, and some of them were very well developed. Is that something that you marketed towards Haunch? You know, hey, if you need a clown, hey, if you need a demonic this person, hey, if you need this kind of person, were those people more of like a, a, I hate to say the term, one-trick pony or were they a lot more adaptable or did they, you know, have more than one character as they were, as the uh, situations, you know, called for? I mean, I know you, you worked with several different haunted houses in the uh, tri-state area and, you know, was, were there haunts that, well, we, we don't really need this character from your people, but we'd sure like to have a couple more of these. How, how adaptable were some of your characters? Uh, the majority of my actors were very adaptable, and at times they would bring out different characters every weekend. Uh, that was if they there wasn't a specific need. When there was a specific need, we were able to fill it because, it, I mean, in the grand scope of things, they're really only looking for a small cluster of, of certain characters like clowns, um, and the lot, you know, they, you want clowns, you want a chainsaw guy, you want this, you want that. We, we were there, we were able to provide that. Um, but with the exception of maybe two or three actors um, who didn't work full time, everybody was adaptable and had at least two to three characters, if not more. And, that, and now I, I play off this to the other actor trainers here. You know, a couple of you had mentioned, you know, these people really worked their room and became a part of the room that they were working in and they became like the best ever in that scene. Um, so what do you do if the person in the room before or the room after isn't there and now you've got to work three rooms as opposed to one room? Is that something that you guys taught or, you know, if you found somebody that was really good doing one thing, did you make them build upon the one thing or did you also cross train them in other things? Because frankly, a, a lot of smaller haunts and things, if you only have 15 actors and three of them aren't there one weekend, you, you've got a problem if you can't, uh, can't adapt to different scenes. How do you guys deal with that? And I know that, you know, Statesville and Hell's Gate, literally has dozens if not hundreds of actors so it's probably not as big a problem but but how do you do that working a smaller haunt as far as getting people doing multiple roles i mean i, I know you mentioned that uh statesville and hellsgate have have lots of actors but there are nights that we are literally bare bones you get two three weeks into the season uh, two thirds of your cast has dropped because they're sick or decided they didn't want to do this anymore and you have to have re-recruitment as you're going through your season of bring your friends, bring the people that you think are spooky. So in that aspect, we absolutely do cross-train people in different rooms. 
And, and one, of, one of our favorite phrases we like to use and is incredibly effective is saying, I know you have this one tool. It's very sharp. It can cut every time. But you know what? I like that tool. I want you to have a hammer too and a wrench and a screwdriver. We're gonna add all of these various tools to your toolbox as an actor. And it's not that I don't like your knife, which is very, very sharp. It's that I want to see you develop into a full actor, not just a single typecast character. And it, it helps let them know what you've done we like. I would like to see where that would go to. And by casting them in different rooms, that helps change that. It gives them people who can have a good pop scare get exposition. People who have good exposition at a pop scare learn how to line up a room, which is a talent and skill in and of itself, entirely outside of all of that. And really, once you've gone through the entire haunt and all the various different types of scares with, with prop scare and gross out scares, all of that, that builds an actor that then can go have their leash taken off and sent to the front of house to go and utilize all of those things they know to make that front of house line entertaining while people are waiting literally for the haunted house and sometimes for hours. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually never been big on putting the same people in the same rooms every night. Um, I've, I've always typically switched people around quite, quite frequently to, to, I mean, for me personally, to be only in one room the entire season would be maddening to me. And um, because I, I like to play with it and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of play with it until I get the, the, sh the show running the way that I want to. And then eventually I just get bored with that. And so I start changing it again. So like that room will, will evolve and change throughout the entire year. But I would rather just take it to a different room and be like, okay, cool. How do I make this one work? You know, for me, it's a game, it's a puzzle. And I, and I want actors to understand that, like, we always, we, you know, here, here's the thing. We always talk about, I, I think there's a, there's a misconception in haunting that line actors are the best actors. Everybody wants, that's, that's the goal, right? To be a Q line actor, to be front of house, whatever you like to call it. Screw that. I want an actor that I can take and put in any room in the haunted attraction and they can figure out how to make it work. That's, that to me is way more valuable than somebody who does line because I can have a variety of actors in the line that complement each other, but I can't have somebody that just makes every room work. Those, those folks are the most valuable. They are the, the most important piece, you know, performers in the show. Um, and so again, I, I do it through um, just kind of throwing people to the wolves and saying like, all right, well, I know you really like that room, but we're going to try you over here. Um, and, and they usually rise up. I'm super glad you brought that up, too, because yeah. you're right. Uh, it is a misconception that we say that line actor is the top of the the food chain. Um, you, There's a lot of line actors I can't put in a room. They they don't know what to do. It's just not that shit. But someone who can adapt to anything that is that that's the that's the golden standard right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, as a, again, from that casting and, and dealing with the, you know, making sure that every room is covered every night. 
um, the domino effect can be very real if one person calls out um, because the handful of MVPs that you do have that can adapt to any situation in any room are a little bit more limited. And so when you take one away from one spot, then you're taking pretty much all of them away from that spot. And, and like Japes, I happen to really appreciate and like the puzzle aspect of it. That's, that's part of what, what really made my job fun for me was being able to take those situations and say, how can I make this work now? Um, given that every day, practically my casting would change greatly of a hundred to 150 actors um it, it it the adaptability is is incredibly important um and and having them work more than one spot is easy if they are adaptable uh, uh otherwise you know you just got to make some really creative moves and rely on your your staff to kind of cover the gaps a little bit if if absolutely need be you know it's a it's usually a, a one night or two night situation with some of the the major major places in the in the haunt but you know it's it's uh it, it's about those people who can both run a, a line room as well as a rules room as well as a you know at the end of the day if absolutely need be a pop scare um those those people jump out at you really quickly uh, because they they can easily move with that flow. Now, Japes, I got to ask you this because you are you are known for one particular character. Uh, does that particular character act the same, whether doing cue line versus in on in a haunt or does that character only work, say, an outside or in a particular situation, because it is a very unique character. Bonesaw, Brewster, Brewster Bonesaw. I cannot remember the sequence of the words, yep, if that Brewster. is correct. Yeah, Brewster but, um, Bonesaw. Right. So, I mean, how does how does Brewster Bonesaw react when he's running Q, but then he's told he has to go into a room because of you know staffing issues or, or otherwise? How how adaptable? is not japes but how adaptable is is brewster to that and and i guess that question can also go to jerry who has you know this this amazing lalaboo character too i mean i assume that when he was in mall he wasn't always in the same place at, at various places so yeah i i it's it's i mean typically speaking you know when i'm working a line it's it's all playful it's very fun it's very silly the the the, the act is based in comedy my job when I'm doing line in my, in my, you know, what I try to accomplish is just to get people to have fun. Like I want people to break down. I want to break people down. I want to take the tough guys and just get them to laugh and relax and just go, go with the flow, have fun. I'm not there to get big scares. I'm not there. Sometimes I'll be creepy. Sometimes I'll just be, you know, kind of the, the you know, the, the, the person you don't want to think about the fact that they're going to be out your, outside of your window at the end of the night. Um, you know, but I want to plant those seeds that I will be. Um, but you know, just kind of creepy, weird, but more silly beetle juicy, right in the haunt. Um, I work, I work from a perspective of, it's not about the character. The character doesn't mean anything. I Brewster has no backstory. Like there's no, like he wasn't born in Mississippi in some year or blah, blah. I don't even know who the hell Brewster is. I've been doing him for 20 years and I don't know who he is. But I know that when I'm in a room, I look at the room and I let the room tell me what it's supposed to be. What is the story I want to tell in this room? How is it going to fit in with the rest of, of the show? Um, and, and, and how do I make it work? How, and, and typically I am the distraction. I'm not good at pop outs. My timing sucks. 
If you put me in a boo box, I will drop the, the, the panel at the wrong time every time. I suck at that. Um, but in terms of like being a distraction so that I get the audience to go where they need to be to experience the scare, I can do that. Um, but the, yeah, the room tells me what to be. The room tells me what to be and I change it up wherever I am. I used to do a lot of conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, that stuff doesn't have the same comedic value anymore, I don't think. Um, since, <laughs> since, <laughs> since, since many, yeah. many, you yes. know, so... Yeah. Since the world went away, (laughs) Um, you know, like there were a lot of things that I was saying in in to to be crazy um, that are now accepted as truths. So um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it would be like to play in the house uh, anymore. Um, I haven't experienced it for 2021. I didn't experience it in 2020. Um, So it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of where I take things. Um, but yeah, but I, I don't even know who the character is, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, fas- I'm fascinated by that because so many people rely so much on character development, especially for, you know, signature actors at haunted houses, because you always get the, what are you supposed to be or, and stuff from, from the customers. And I, I'm shocked at that. That's very interesting. Jerry, no, I, how- I, I usually just tell them I'm, I'm just a dude. I don't know what he, what he I'm, I'm Brewster. <laughs> what, who are you? What, you know, it's like. To me, it's a silly question. Who am I? Like, whoever walks up, like, if you were, I try to make it like all of the conversations are totally normal, right? Like, if we, if I wa- was sitting in a, a Burger King and somebody walked up to me and said, who that, what are you supposed to be? I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what the heck are you talking about? Sorry. Family. PG-13. We're okay. <laughs> sorry. That's, that's our one for the night. Okay. That's the Literally. one. That's the one. That's the one. That was um, me. Good. <laughs> and uh, to jump off of Japes too, um, I, I also don't have a backstory to anything I do. Um, I am adaptable. That's my backstory to every situation, to every person you talk to. uh, I don't pull off of previous history to do it. I pull off the situation that I'm presently in. And so the backstory constantly changes to whatever I'm feeling it should be at that moment. And whereas that doesn't make a, a true, I guess, signature character in the classical sense, it does make a, cla- a signature character because it works off of the function of the broken promise that what you tell them now is not going to be true in five minutes. <laughs> That's an interesting point. Jerry, when you were doing Lalaboo, and, and I forgive me, I don't know if you did other characters, you know, did you have to adapt versus, you know, if you went to Haunt X versus going to Haunt Y and all that, or were you primarily playing the same character? It was pretty much the same character. I mean, I did some different characters, when I uh, uh, when I first started doing them, um, uh, but Lalaboo became the primary. Um, in 2012, when I was at working at Scaretorium for MHC, they stuck me as the hillbilly cannibal. And you gotta, you know, this is my first time acting. If anybody, I'm a musician. If anybody thinks I'm gonna scare them, they're nuts. So what I did was uh, instead of relying on trying to scare them. I tried to throw them off on the room that was coming where the scare actually was. So, you know, I'm talking like this, <laughs> you know, and I'm just a complete buffoon. I, I'm taking the inbred redneck to a whole nother level. I just like eating feet. So I would dance around. I'd be dancing around with a leg going, singing. I got chicken tonight. And, you know, um, you know, I'd walk up to somebody and say, Hey, we're making finger foods. <laughs> you want a finger? 
and you know, stupid crap like that. And then when they, as they, they go, ha ha ha, that's funny. And they go to the next room and certain people I would go up and, you know, they wouldn't know I'm there and I'd startle them, you know, by blowing in their ear or something like that. And they turn around and look and then turn around and get startled on the next room. So I learned to kind of adapt to that. Lalaboo became the, the, the kind of the primary character. I used the voice for a couple different characters. Um, uh, again, with MHC and Scaratorium, I was the electroshock therapy doctor in the room after gyms. I'm going to talk like this. <laughs> you know, stupid crap like that. And it, again, it, it's a matter of trying to set up. Whereas it, with the electroshock therapy doctor, I had props to work with, you know, sparking, you know, running the power, the uh, battery across uh, the battery connector across a uh, wire and everything. Lullaboo had to be adapted on the fly, depending on where I was at. You know, some I did, I did line, I did lines for some and it, you know, I had, you know, I had to act a certain way when they had me wandering around indie screen park. I, I adapted it to whatever I, whoever I was in contact with. And, you know, just basically that. I mean, I just walked up to one person. You know, that's all I did. Scared little Japanese scout jumped about six feet in the air because she didn't expect me to be there. So, it, you know, that's basically, I just had to adapt it, uh, adapt it on the fly. Nice. And that, that shows improvs. You, you brought up an interesting point with, with props, you know, work in a room with props. And this goes out to the guests. Um, do you train with props or do you pr- train actors hoping that they will use specific props or do you train people to just be themselves? And then if they get an ax or if they get a chainsaw, or if they get a machete, it's just kind of a bonus to them. I, um, I think back. Oh, go ahead, sorry, Jason. Go I, ahead. I, I think back. I think, I think you'll remember this, Doogie. Uh, I think back to training, <laughs> uh, many years ago. Um, uh, and it was Jeff Glatzer was training and, and he referred to um, some props as, as a crutch. And I think the way that he framed it was not positive, but I like I look at props as like I, it's OK to have a crutch. Like I, I feel uncomfortable if I don't have Billy Bob teeth in my mouth. Like that's my that's my prop. That's my crutch. That's my thing I lean on. Um, Typically when I'm in the house, I don't wear them just because it's harder to get loud. Um, but, but like, that's the thing that as soon as those go in, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. I'm, I am Brewster, you know? So like, that's my crutch and that's my thing. So I, I, I think I look at it more broadly in terms of find that thing that just turns your character on, that, that just makes your character come alive. I don't typically train, like, I don't like hand out props and say, all right, let's do exercises with that. Katie Lane does a good job of having some games where she's just like, here's a random thing, make it work. And, and, and they do. Um, but for, for me, I, I think about it a little bit more broadly of like, it could be a piece of your costuming. It could be, you know, something like that, but, um, but everybody should have that thing that, you know, makes it click. Sure. As people who, who often do uh, the set dressing <laughs> in addition to the actor training and, and stage management. Um, you know, <laughs> you watch some of these kids uh, possibly rip apart your work, but some of them do it for good. And <laughs> when you see it happening, you're like, oh, I just spent hours nailing or gluing that together. But 
this is pretty cool you know so you you have to kind of roll with those punches sometimes uh i would say the same we don't really you know we've never really given them a specific prop unless the character already came with it uh but a lot of times when we introduce them to a room we'll show them the different things that we had left out uh for them to play with you know things that are movable things that are designed to hold up uh to the rigors of a haunt night um, and, and just generally like let them at least stew on what they can play with in the room versus what's fixed and, and really shouldn't maybe be played with. Uh, that still doesn't say anything for the fact that most of them will find ways to, <laughs> to play in a room that you never expected. So uh, be ready for that. Nice. Uh, looking um, at the clock here, I know we're starting to wind down a little bit. Uh, any questions from the hosts at this point? Can I can I pop in really quick? I just there's Absolutely. There, was, there was something I was just kind of noticing about our conversation. And like I think that, you know, this this topic is actor training. And I think that a lot of people uh, kind of put that in a bubble of like this actor training is a thing that we do the week before uh, you know, the haunt opens, mm-hmm. or maybe two mm-hmm. weeks before we open the haunt, we do these trainings. But I think if you like listen to everything that's being said here, we've talked very little about the actual actor formal actor training days that are done ahead of season we're talking about the things that have to be done on the fly that are done during the show that are done you know um in the moment so actor training never stops and that's one thing i always try to tell people like if you hire me to do an actor training you're going to need to work with me throughout the entire season or at least sit down with me for several days and talk about how you can then take all this and carry it through the entire season Because if you think it's a one and done thing, we've given them, you know, we gave them two days of training. It was a total of like four hours, maybe six hours. They should be good to go. That's just not the case. You got to get in there and you got to work and you got to partner their partner them up with veterans and you've got to get your team leads or, or however you you have your, your system set up where they're getting constant training throughout the entire thing. So actor training is not something that's limited to a couple days before the season. It's something sure. that goes on throughout the entire season. And really it can go on all through the year. If you've got a location that's, that's set for it, you know, a lot of absolutely supplemental stuff like that. They do like, you know, they'll have like a Christmas get together and they'll get together and go over things and say, well, how can we improve? Well, let's do this. Let's try this. Let's work on this. And then they might do something over the winter and in the spring and in the summer again. And, and it, first of all, it keeps everybody together and it makes the team a lot more closely knit so you know that, you know, Bob is able to play off Jim and Joe is able to play off Mary in, in certain ways that if they only got together once a year for six or seven weeks, it's just not as tight a cohesive unit. So, you know, very good point made there. Uh, mm-hmm. An excellent point. And it's something that, you know, especially as owner and operators, because sometimes they don't understand. I'll have a quick question after this point on that. Um it's it's not just actor training it's actor investment and it's everything you do with that goes into that training whether it's a lesson that becomes the training aspect or just having a pizza party or we'd get together and go to a movie and all right wear your staff shirts from last year we're going to go watch so-and-so movie you know go pay for your ticket and stuff get together as a group and then we work better as a team you know the, the thing that we all love as haunters is that community feel you know you, mm-hmm. you especially at conventions and shows you don't see somebody for a couple of years you walk in the room you feel like you saw them yesterday you can always click <laughs> and, and work right with them which is one of the neatest things about this industry and you know when you build off of that you know that that 
that just expands with everything with your actor training, where you've been doing it for two years or 20 years, you're always learning something and you can always learn from the other people. If you have that closer bond, it works with it. Now, one of the biggest challenges I'd imagine, especially as you guys, you know, focus on actor training is getting the concepts, not necessarily to the actors that you're trying to enhance, but to the owners and managers who are there who sometimes don't get it at all. Um, do you guys have a quick story or a challenge with that? Um, I, I'll give a quick example on my end, you know, just a safety spiel. Uh, you know, the owner I worked for owned a farm and he's your typical scary looking farm guy, you know, absolute give you the shirt off his back, nice guy in the world. But he, he looks like he's walked out of a horror movie half the time. And he wanted to give the safety speech. I'm like, Oh boy. And it's a rainy day. We're a farm. So everybody's in a greenhouse in August. So they're about to fall asleep from the heat. And he starts talking about how this is going to be the year. And he's fiddling on his keys. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? And then suddenly he goes, I just feel it. Don't get too close to him because boom. And he takes his key and stab punches a box of brochures. I mean, the entire 50 actors we had crammed in there who were dozing off in the heat of the greenhouse in this speech jump a mile. And we're like, oh, my God, you know, great. Our, our owner just scared the living hell out of them and just told them they're going to get stabbed. So, yeah, that was a tough weekend the next weekend because we lost like 10 people. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, yeah, what, what quickly, <laughs> do you guys have an instance where you've run into that type of challenge with a manager or an owner that you're trying to work with um, while training actors? Well, um, oh, go ahead, go ahead No, you get it, Doogie. Go for it. Okay. Um, I, I, I guess my, mine is, is not so much uh, a challenge from an, an owner, um, because I, I've been fortunate, uh, John Flamboy has always been really up on actor training. If any of you have seen his actor training stuff, he at class he's done at uh, MHC, or uh, I think he just did MHC, maybe Transworld as well. But uh, I, I've always had a lot of support from him on that. Um, but the challenge that I have is amongst the other zone leaders or uh, actor managers uh, and getting them to understand what that game is um, and really spending a lot of time with training them. Cause uh, uh, I'll tell you, looking someone straight in the eyes and screaming, do better. Doesn't ever fly. Does not ever fly. I um, yeah, that, that, that person was not an actor uh, manager very long after that. Um, I can't really elaborate on that story specifically, but I mean, we, we've all seen things along that, but, um, but yeah. And also I would like to say in, in the part that you're mentioning about, um, about the connection between people, I always say one haunt, one family to every haunted house person I know, because it's true. It's the community that we search for, reach out to each other. Um, we about not the first week, but a month after the haunt closes, because that's where everyone hits their low and keep communicating throughout the year because it keeps everyone positive and up. Uh, now I'll toss it to Japes because I, I don't have a great story about that because I, I, I have been fortunate to have a lot of support. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I, I can, you can tell a lot about a haunt just by the fact of whether the owner acts or not like actor owner haunts. I, I 
nine out of 10 times, they're going to be some of the best. Um, if you think of some of the, the biggest, best, most respected haunts in the country, almost every one of them are actor owners, uh, you know, owners who actually get into costume and, and perform with their crew. Um, and, and that carries a lot of weight. Um, so I, I think that's really important. And I know that I, I did a training uh, for a place um, who I've, that I've been working with for quite a few years. And our first training, um, none of the management showed up. It, it, it was literally Ooh. just like all of a sudden me Ooh. with the whole crew. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the whole crew. And I'm trying to get these folks to get up and do stuff. They're literally like drinking and just hanging out. And like, I can't get anybody off their asses. And I came to the owner and I, fortunately I was doing two trainings. I was doing one on, on Saturday and one on Sunday. And I came to him and I, I was like, I gotta be totally frank with you, man. That was the worst actor training I've ever done in, you know, at that point it was like 15 years in 15 years of doing actor training. I have never had an experience like that. And I'll tell you why it happened. Not one single manager was there. Nobody was there. So nobody saw, none of your crew saw any value in it. Um, the next day he was there, the other managers were there, he was up getting, you know, getting involved and all of a sudden all the actors were involved. So like they have, you have to lead by example, you have to show that you're willing to get your hands dirty. You know, I've always said like, I'll pick up a broom if I get into the haunt and it's dirty, I will pick up a broom and I will start sweeping it, whatever it takes to show, like I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make the show good. Um, and, and actors, I'm sorry, owners, managers, they've got to say that they've got to show that they've got to live that. Um, so, you know, that, that was my, my experience. Um, and, and again, the, the turnaround the next day was, was significant and I've continued working with them for, you know, four years after. So. Nice. Well, as we start to wind down a little bit, uh, let me just ask you guys, what are some of your favorite exercises that you do? when you train your actors. Let's start with Japes. So my favorite is my zombie training. Um, and it's and it's very, um, it sounds so basic, um, but that's the, the point is that we start very, very basic. And then I kind of walk people through because I've been doing it so many years that I know people are gonna respond a certain way. The actors are gonna do something a certain way. During the first part of it, you know, I'm having them just move like slow, you know, Romero zombies. And what's going to happen inevitably is that there's going to be a bunch of kids who are smiling because they feel silly. So I point out zombies don't smile. So now they're changing their face. They're working on their face. And then we move through that and we talk about, well, okay, you know, a lot of you are, are, you know, the way you're carrying your body is pretty straight up and normal. Like I need you to get twisted. I need you to get messed up. And so now we work from the face to the body. And then we talk about the fact that, you know, zombies have an advantage uh, or one of the psychological advantages that zombies have is the noise that they make. So even if you're solidly barricaded inside of a building, you will hear the moaning and it can drive you insane. So I've got to hear that. And, and then I just kind of, so I walk people through using your face, your body, your, your voice, um, and then incorporating in scares. So um, it's a hard thing to explain because you kind of have to do it. Um, but it, it's, it's my favorite thing to do for, for a 101, a basic introduction class. Nice. That's fantastic. I, I love that with the zombie thing, because you think that's such the easiest thing to do until you're there and you have a crowd of them and there's like five or six at a scene and suddenly they're all moving exactly the same way in a mechanical fashion and all doing the exact tone of grrr. And you're like, this is hopeless. I'm going <laughs> to die. 
how do I stop this? So having that plan ahead of time is fantastic for zombies because you, you do, you think that's good. That's easy to solve all. You can't screw it up. Yes. Yes, they can. Worst thing you could have. We did a whole hayride once, 10 scenes, zombies, worst idea ever because it all became the same thing. And it got so bad that the growling migrated over to our walkthrough where there weren't zombies, but suddenly all the characters on the walkthrough were, oh, oh, awful, awful. Mm. How about you, Doogie? What are, what is your favorite exercise? Oh, let's see. My favorite exercise. And, and I mean, I think I, I'm going to hop along with Japes here. Cause I, the, well, I guess I'll, I'll talk about this first. Once you get past the 101 section of any sort of training, there's no, there's no one single training that will bring them to that next level. It's all individual basis. So um, one of my, my favorite trainings is um, uh, the breath training, breathing through different parts of your body because breath is the basis of a character. So depending on where you're breathing from will lead your character in a way. If you're breathing through your nose, you're leading with your nose. If you're breathing through your toe, you're leading with your toe. And it begins the basic building block of a character because it gives you movement and a drive. And that's uh, one of that's one of the trains that uh, I, well, frankly, I, I cannot take credit for it because John's the one who started that. And uh, building upon it, it has been so effective, especially when someone's in a new room in a new place and don't know what to do. And they're like, I've got this character. I'm wearing a rat's head. I don't know what to do. Well, where are you breathing from? Oh, uh, 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 my finger. Great. Run with that. Because it gives them a basic movement and something to build off of. Interesting. Uh, Jillian, how about you? Do you, uh, do you have an exercise that either you'd like to do or like seeing being done? Uh, I, I would say the, the movement through the body parts was, a, was a really big one for me. It was, it, it always helps set my, my characters into motion. Um, I, again, I, I usually just work off of what exercises Doogie and John and other people have offered over the time. Um, something that I would always like to do as a stage manager when I went into a room, uh, you know, was to, was to just really interact uh, with each and every individual character in a character myself. Um, and that would oftentimes bring out sides of actors that I had never seen just walking through his management. Um, <clears throat> it would, you know, just interacting with them uh, in, in scene with customers uh, and really seeing how they responded to not only me, but the customers uh, was always uh, more of the exercise I found to be important uh, for my angle of things awesome badger what about you what's your favorite exercise with a group oh gosh uh i love to do what i call whose scare is it anyway based off the old tv show whose line is it anyway where i would get yes. a group of people randomly select people out of circle so your friends aren't working in the same group and i would give them a situation like you know you guys are all playing a baseball game you can't say you're playing a baseball game but you have to act out and mind that you're playing a baseball game and the other groups have to guess what your group is. You got it. And they're all like, yeah, we get it. No problem. I was like, great. Oh, by the way, you're all penguins and you know how penguins act. You have to act like a penguin. So they would have to in front of sometimes literally a hundred people 
act like penguins are trying to play a baseball game. Now, you're never going to see a baseball playing penguin in a haunt yet, but, you know, it encouraged the management to see who is really getting into this obviously silly idea because there's always going to be that one person going, ugh, a penguin playing baseball. That's so stupid. And then you're going to see the people like, okay, who's going to be first base? Who's going to pitch? Okay, now can flippers be used to catch or do you have to like waddle like this around the bases and and you started seeing people take leadership roles in this group and then you would have the managers and the owner get three guesses basically to try to figure out what they're doing so they're either so good that you instantly know what they're doing or they're so good that you have no clue what they're doing until I tell them what they were or they tell them what they were. And it really worked out pretty well. And it's always been kind of the favorite exercise that I've done at, at all the different haunts. Jerry, you've participated in a lot of uh, exercises over the years at conventions, at haunts, and witnessed a lot of things. Is there one that's really um, struck out with you? How to use your voice without blowing it out at the end of the night that's been the biggest thing for me um, because I mean, the first time when I did the uh, uh, when I was working with the hillbilly uh, I started losing my voice after about a half hour <clears throat> and it was actually badger. I messaged uh, badger. If you remember, I texted you, I'm losing my voice. What do I do? And you, how did, how did do you remember I, that? Uh, um, vaguely, but how do I, re- how did I respond? Pull from your diaphragm <laughs> rather than your throat. Ah, yes. Mm. Same, mm-hmm. same thing you would as a singer. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Learn that and, from Dick Hewn. Uh, yeah. And also, you know, you know, they, they frown on this, but, you know, musicians, singers, especially, if you notice, a lot of them are chewing gum. Keep a piece of gum in your mouth. Keep that's the saliva keeps your, keeps your vocal cords wet. Idiot me. I've been a musician for how long? I do that all the time to begin with. It never occurred to me doing it as far as acting. I mean, they don't care. They probably think I'm chewing on a, you know, chewing on a piece of, you know, somebody's toenail for all I know, but you know, (laughs) you know, and then, you know, do it subtly. So people don't see it. If it's part of what you're doing. Okay. Make it look like you just took a bite off of some, off a leg that you're, you got and you chew on it. When I was doing it with Lollaboo, because talking like this, that's your world. That's pulled down your throat. Vote. And talking like that actually blows your throat out more than doing like, oh my God. <laughs> it blows your throat out more. Because whispering is more is actually more harmful to your throat than talking. So I had to adjust to that. And that was one of the biggest things, it, you know, and also timing. Now, being a musician, you I can pull from my background as a musician to apply it to acting it's very similar it's a matter of timing with music it's the timing of where the beat on you know on the beat versus off the beats you know bringing up the bringing it up rather than bringing it down same thing with it with the acting i just took what i knew musically and applied it to the acting did that answer your question oh yeah (laughs) yeah let's say amen to that because all of those things totally apply very well Mm -hmm. And we also go through hundreds and hundreds of pounds of cough drops every season. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, cough drops it's, and mm-hmm. gummy, gummy bear. Or no, and, uh, and it, fruit it's, snacks. It's, 
fruit snacks. Yeah. It's, um, you know, encouraging them not to wreck themselves physically for anything is, is always a difficult task. Uh, you know, whether it be their vocal cords or their bodies. Um, but there have been times where, if somebody comes in the next day with no voice, then it's about training them how to work a character that maybe doesn't have a voice. And it, it can become a, a lesson in how to uh, further their character into something that can be both quiet and loud. And that becomes really beneficial down the line as they've got an entire very rigorous season to get through. So it's a skill they need to learn one way or another. And one of the things, one of the things I wanted to pass on, and I actually applied this to when, uh, I was doing Lullaboo. Uh, Jim actually a few times, what, what you, the first time you saw me do it, Jim, you're like, what the hell are you doing? Um, I had a, a thermos uh, full of tea and it was, um, it was a bag of, uh, what was it? Uh, oh God, green tea with mints and a bag of uh, lemon herb echinacea with a big dollop of honey. Mm -hmm. I learned that, I learned that trick from Pamela Moore who was the was sweet sister who who was the voice of sweet sister Mary on uh, Queen's Reich's album Operation Minecraft? I've known Pamela for about twelve years now, and I lost my voice two days before a gig in when I lived in Las Vegas. I had to do an entire set of vocals uh, to give our singer a break. We were doing five sets. We normally only play ninety minutes, um, so I was doing lead vocals. I lost my voice three days before the show. And I'm panicking and I messaged her and she goes, do this, do this for, you know, the next two days. And it got me, uh, got me going and got my voice back up to from, you know, barely a whisper to 75% within a day. Interesting. Jim, not to make you assign one, but quickly, can you let us know what's your favorite exercise? Uh, my favorite exercise is, is taking my trainees and sticking them out there and making them do something without any costumes on. You know, I'll throw a certain type of haunt character out there and I leave it up to interpretation, but I'm looking for creativity and enthusiasm. Uh, and I go through the basic gamut. You know, it's like a, a zombie, a clown, um, a serial killer uh, and a vampire, just just an example. Um, and convince them that they can act without the costume and makeup on. And sometimes the cream does rise to the crop in that situation. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And you can never underestimate running lines. I always love running lines. What's your reaction to this? Goes so well at the end of every night, even with stories. Well, I know that we have run a little bit over time here, so we do need to wrap this up. I want to thank our guests for being wonderful conversation here tonight. This is the part of the show we normally call the plugs. So if you have... Uh, an actor trainer workshop that you actually do and hire yourself out to other haunts. We'd love to hear you, you know, plug those as well as the haunts that you guys are associated with. So um, let's start with Japes. Japes, for people who want more information about what you do, I know you do tours in October as well. Don't know if those yeah. are happening this year. We're about to find out, I hope. How can people get more information? Yeah, it looks, it looks like everything is, you know, assuming everything stays on the, the, the path that it's on, we should be able to run our bus tour again. So Lost Souls Chicago will be running hopefully this year. Uh, again, assuming that the, the trends stay the way they are. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you can find me at lostsoulschicago.com. Uh, you can email me at lostsoulschicago at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also find me on the Facebook. I'm pretty active there, Japes Palace. 
And uh, yeah, that's that's how you can connect with me. Excellent. Uh, Jillian, how about you? How can people get more information about either Hell's Gate or some of the things that you do? You may have had to run real quick. Uh Uh-oh. Well, let's go with Doogie then. Doogie, how can people get more information about what you do and some of the stuff that Statesful and Zombie Army does? Excellent. And and I can answer for Jill as well here. Um, So uh, for uh, Statesful and Hell's Gate or Zombie Army Productions in general, if you go to www.zap.com, 23 that's zap23.com uh that'll take you to uh, a landing page for all of the productions and things that zombie army does um also if you'd like to know more information uh from me and myself uh if you email me at brad brad at zap23.com that will go to my gmail and come directly to me and i can answer any questions and uh, i believe john also does consulting so if you're looking, if you or your haunt across the country is looking to have a little bit of an upgrade in the off season, reach out to us. We'd be happy to bring our zombie army glory to uh, your haunt to help in whatever way you might need. Excellent. And one of these years, I'm going to get up to Chicago and come check these out. I've seen Statesville for Legendary a few years ago, and that was just an amazing haunt. And I, I think it's <laughs> I would like to second everything that Doogie and Jape said. <laughs> <laughs> so she was just lurking there. Uh, no, Jillian, no, got any, I, anything I to plug? I, hit, I, I thought I hit on mute and I didn't. So I was <laughs> still on mute and just chatting away. And all of you guys were just waiting. Um, <laughs> no, no real plugs. Uh, I, you know, I, I fully support. Uh, I, I've seen Japes's trainings. He's he's really um, absolutely one of a kind there. So he's worth checking out as well as I'll always plug, you know, any zombie army production, uh, Hell's Gate and Statesville are both two totally different shows and they're both really incredible. So, uh, I believe that there's Facebook pages for both of them. Uh, if you search Statesville haunted prison and Hell's Gate haunted house, Hell's Gate being all one word. Uh, I myself am on a little bit of a hiatus, so I'm working uh, Broadway shows in a little uh, theater in Aurora called Paramount Theater. And as you know, all arts are suffering. So get out there and support the arts, whether it's, uh, you know, Paramount or a haunted house or any other type of art. Here, here. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to well, we, we want to thank our guests for a very, very lively conversation. You know, actor training is so important out there for any haunted attraction, whether you are the mom and pop, you know, with the painted board at the end of your driveway or whether you are some of the largest haunted attractions in the country or the world. Please get out there, you know, take a class, go hire yourself an actor trainer. If you don't have one, you're too busy working about worrying about getting your fire marshals to sign the permits and and getting your last bit of stuff out there. So bring somebody in if you don't have somebody already with you that trains your actors because trained actors make a haunted house. I also want to thank our, you know, our guest Japes Palace from Chicago, Doogie from Chicago, and of course Jillian from guess where? Chicago, as well as our hosts including Storm. You know, while Badger is right that there may never have been a penguin baseball themed haunt There was that infamous weekend in 1986, Halloween of 1986 in Arthur, Nebraska, where there was indeed a haunt with Penguin High Lie. No way. (laughs) (laughs) If it's on the internet, it must be true. Also want to thank Meat Hook Jim. I got nothing. I can't follow that up. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
the Hotster medalist, Jerry Vane. So the little penguins talk like this? <laughs> Hi, I'm dressing in my penguin suit. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Drew Badger and shameless plug here. I do actor workshops and I do a little bit of consulting and voice work on the side. You can reach my website, rabidbadger.org. My schedule is filling up for September and into August. So please contact me ASAP if you want an actor workshop. This is the Round Table of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. Yeah, if Dicka walks into your haunt, does he get scared? Oh, God. Trick Are we question. talking like a big house. Dicka with a lot of little Dickas or just a little Dicka that has a big head? It's a trick question because Dicka <laughs> is the haunted house. Oh, uh, boom. Ah. <laughs> Bam. Jason. Jason never dies on the Big Scary Show. Get out of my way, I'm coming through, and there is hell found in my eyes, bourbon whiskey on my breath. Don't care what they say, I'm telling you, I never listen to their lies, and I am not afraid of death. Can you hear me growl? I'm on the prowl, I'm in the need of something foul. Deep inside, I start to Best to beware, for I can kill without a care, but I will take you on a whirl. Come with a saw, but I didn't die then. Come with a gun, but I didn't die then. Come with a bomb, but I didn't die then. Jason's right, they can never end. You can use a chainsaw or a shotgun. You can be a samurai or an alien. You can carry weapons or match a son. Still you realize you can kill Jason. Jason never I'm telling you, I never listen to their lies, and I am not afraid of death. Can you hear me growl? I'm on the prowl. I'm in the need of something foul. Deep inside, I start to 
darkest reaches of the earth. This is a hot minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, we've made it. It's mid-July, and it's a time of year that all of us haunters have come to know is the most important time of year for the most important haunt season coming up. Yes, this is the big build time of the year. And this has always been when, you know, haunting has been just the apex for us haunters. This is when we're getting ready. This is when plans are coming together. This is what's going on. And guess what? The rest of the world is starting to figure it out. That's right. Fourth of July comes, and the week after, you're starting to see the Halloween stuff hidden. Now, you know, not necessarily stores, even though there are some stores already selling Christmas stuff. Oh, my. Um, no, I'm talking about big announcements, uh, big, big merchandise, big things going on. Uh, right now, we got all the theme parks are announcing their big haunted happening Halloween events for October. And guess what? They're even starting to sell out on special nights. That's right, big performances and big announcements are selling out. People have got the interest for this October. They want Halloween. And that's not the only thing. You know, we are building, we are doing props. This is the big season. This is the building part of it. And, you know, the big stores are getting their Halloween things out there right now. That's right, Home Cheapo has got their... Halloween uh, items out. In the past few years, they've done the big decorations and have gone big, literally. You know, the rave last year were the giant 12-foot skeletons. Well, guess what, everybody? They're back this year. Uh, good luck trying to find them. Already out, you know, on the websites, back ordering and everything. So get on there. Oh, and they have a 12-foot friend. Yes, a giant pumpkin man with the same moving eyes and, you know, flickering chest and mouth this time. So, you know, it's not just 12-foot skeletons. It's 12-foot pumpkin men. Because... It's July, and that's starting to mean Halloween for the rest of the world, because you got to get ready. 
this season's upon us. Make sure you're getting ready and don't fall behind because everybody else knows exactly what it means. Until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Store. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at BigScaryShow.com. Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of patient 292. Time for your medication. Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. They live on flesh and subsist on blood. They're hundreds of years old and look decayed. They rise at night and can't be stopped. They're the walking dead who are never buried. And they're coming your way now in Horror of the Zombies. It's all new chills and a shocking and ghastly nightmare of gruesome terror. Horror of the Zombies. Rated R from Independent International. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are traveling to the far north country of Iceland. Iceland's population is only about 332,000 people. Almost 70% of the population is Christian and a member of the Church of Iceland, an evangelic Lutheran church. An Icelandic funeral usually follows Christian traditions and is held in a church. Icelandic people don't practice embalming, so they only do small makeup and cosmetic procedures to, to prepare the deceased. For this reason, Iceland isn't the best place to die for foreigners visiting the country. You need to get special authorization for preserving a body. Morgenbladid, meaning the morning paper, is a nationwide Icelandic newspaper where obituaries are published. Oftentimes, family and friends write the obituaries for the deceased. 
In this case, someone may have multiple obituaries published about them. An Icelandic funeral takes place five days to two weeks after the death, and everyone wears black or dark colored clothes. A Kistelen Agnar, a small wake, may be held before the funeral for close family and friends of the deceased. The funeral service is about a half hour, and pallbearers and close family sit in front of the church. Usually only the minister speaks during the ceremony and reads from the Bible and talks about the deceased. A church choir or other musicians usually perform requested memorial songs for the deceased's family. Both burial and cremation are practiced in Iceland. If it's a burial, a hearse takes a coffin to the cemetery. If it's a Christian funeral, everyone makes the sign of the cross after the coffin is lowered into the gravesite. They may also toss flowers, letters, or other significant items on top of the coffin. After the funeral, the deceased family usually invites funeral attendees to their house or another location for the post-funeral reception. Here is typically where family and friends say their own personal speeches to honor the deceased. They may also share photos of the deceased or just talk and comfort each other. There's also usually snacks and beverages served like coffee and cake. No? Now we know what goes on in Iceland when you die. Catch you on the next episode. The Jimmy Psycho Experiment. The Monsters theme. Demo lounge version. On the Big Scary Show.
as we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenline Studios, Dark Imaginings, Fright Finder, Haunt Pay, Creepy Collection, and Von Caron Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse, as well as the four hosts, including Storm, Ransom Moore, HauntMinute.com, Badger, Actor, Trainer, and Consultant, RabbitBadger.org, Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com, and Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, JerryVane.com, and finally you. Without you, the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.